It's uh, really cool when someone comes to the church for the first time when they've never been to church ever before anywhere in their whole life. Do we have anybody else besides the person I'm going to mention? Okay, Adelaide Knapp's here with us today. And where is she right now? Is she in the auditorium? Could you stand up, Amy? What a sweetheart. Welcome, Adelaide. God bless you. I'd like to start with something that made me smile, chuckle this week. So there was this man who said, I have, I have read so many terrible things about how bad it is to be eating sugar and, bad, and how bad it is to eat junk food. Did you feel like you might have eaten too much sugar or junk food? And let, over the, yeah, well, you have good company. I did too. Okay, uh, so I made a New Year's resolution. I've read so much stuff about this. My New Year's resolution is no more reading. <laughs> we're, we're working on a preaching series called Jesus Life Refresh, and I know if you're like me at the dawning of a new year, you often want to seek God and say, okay, what are you saying this year? What, what thing are you wanting to correct in my life? What are you wanting to speak to me about? Um, I, Anybody else feel that way about the new year? Not, not, it's not like I just want a New Year's resolution, but it's like I, I want something from God. And so we're doing this series, Jesus Life Refresh, just to help with that. To, um, our leadership team is focusing on things that we think are really important for uh, getting refreshed in, in the life of Jesus Christ. And the, the topic I'm talking about is more treasuring of the, of the good tidings. talked some about that last time. And the whole idea of this is that, is that even though the Christmas decorations are gone, the Christmas message just goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper through the whole year. And when Mary pondered the things, the, theolog- the great four theological themes that she pondered that happened to her in Luke 2 when the angels came and ministered to her, those four great theological themes were things that were themes that she she wasn't like a seminary graduate or Bible school graduate. She was just a young lady, 16 years old, who just had a baby. She was a young homemaker and mom. But theology and great salvation theological themes are for young moms. And for everybody of every generation, they're there are themes that excite the soul. There are themes that release truth to us in a, in a way that doesn't just, you know, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. There are themes that release the love of God to us so deeply that it, it, it like rocks us over and over and over again. And that, I think that's why the word says Mary, Mary treasured these things in her heart. We mentioned last time that that. That saying, you know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. Well, for Christians, the idea is to keep your friends close and the word of God closer. Always keep the word of God. And there's something so powerful about that because the word of God is alive and it's like a two-edged sword and it divides even the soul and the spirit. And it, it, Jesus said, the words I speak to you are life. And, uh, and the... The Apostle Paul says that the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
And there's something about the Holy Bible that doesn't, the idea isn't, you know, the, the world portrays with, with dramas that, uh, you know, people that know the Bible are just more and more religious and they're sour, you know, and just judgmental. And that's not what the Bible does to us. What the Bible does is trigger supernatural joy in your soul. That's what the Bible does. What the Bible does is trigger supernatural peace and, the, and other heaven emotions into your deepest soul. What the Bible does is release promises to you. Martin Luther in the, in the Reformation, he taught the German Reformation people and, and beyond that the Bible is filled with a couple things. It's filled with promises and, and it's filled with commands. And the promises, Peter, remember Peter, First Peter says that the promises help us to participate in the divine nature now, I want to tell you, there's something supernatural about a book that when you read it and you read the promises of it, it causes you in the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit to actually participate in the divine nature of God in an intimate fashion. And I want to tell you something good about the directives and the commands of God. They're not to be skipped over because of, their, of the commands. And I know that there's the, the Jewish uh, rituals and all that. That's, you know, that's something you can skip over. What I'm talking about is the moral directives of the Bible are designed by God to release burdens off of us. They're designed by us to cause us to not be in a self-destruct mode in our way to heaven. They're, they're designed for us to get us well and healthy to glory land. So that, we, so, it, so that in the course of our life, we are full, experiencing fully the abundant life that Jesus purchased for us on the cross. So that... We have the honor of participating in the, uh, in the emotions, not of the emotions of this world, which are hate, and anger, frustration, and jealousies, and bitternesses, but the emotions of heaven. In this life, we live in the presence of our eternal future in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, who is before the throne of God, the Bible says in the book of Revelation that the Holy Spirit is before the throne room of God constantly. He doesn't leave there to come and baptize you or minister to you or bless you. He is simultaneously in the presence of the throne room of the Father and of the, of the Lord Jesus. And at the same time, you experienced him this morning and you're experiencing him right now. And I want to tell you, that makes heaven close. When the person... He's a person. The third person of the Trinity has one hand in, in, in heaven and one hand in your life, and there is an electric current from heaven going into your life through the Holy Spirit. John Calvin wrote that the Holy Spirit is the very bond that binds us to the living Lord Jesus Christ in glory. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit is way cooler than you think. And the Bible is way cooler than you think. It's not a religious book. Don't listen to the wisdom of this world regarding the book. Honor the book. Honor the promises. Honor, honor the commands. And when you realize something like the command of, of forgiveness, you know, say just the, just the command of forgiveness, to forgive others as Christ forgave you. That's the command, right? Oh, we don't skip over that because we don't, don't, we don't, say, we don't want to skip over that because it's a directive and we're under grace. No, that directive, although it can step on our toes, as Mary preached so well the other day. And C.S. Lewis said, it's easy to forgive somebody until you have to forgive somebody. <laughs> <laughs> that it's a toe, 
It's not a toe-stomping dynamic. It's just a toe-stepping dynamic. God annoys us a little bit with the directives, but I want to tell you, they're designed. The forgiveness factor, for instance, um, someone said holding bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping someone else would die. And what it does is it, if we humbly submit to the rhema words, and the rhema words are the words that the Holy Spirit is highlighting to you as you saturate your mind and your heart and your spirit with the Logos word, the word of God, the Bible. You saturate your mind with the words of the Bible. I mean, Martin Luther memorized the whole New Testament so this would happen. See, as uh, 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 Smith Wigglesworth said, I don't read any book except the Bible. I'm not advocating either one of those as necessary, but I'm saying this is what they, they discovered something. They knew something. They understood a secret about this holy book that when they saturate your minds with the, with the, with the holy Bible, it gets into your blood. And when you're facing a difficulty or when you're facing a joy, there's words. Jesus said, the words I speak to you, the Holy Spirit's going to bring back to you. And the same Holy Spirit who who is before the throne of heaven and is fully in your life says, okay, we are going to communicate and emphasize this verse because they've been in the word. And that is a word that helps. I think of Brian Johnson who is got hit with a severe depression a few years back. He's the primary worship leader at Bethel Reading. And he said that the thing that delivered him was reading the Bible every day until the Lord highlighted a Logos word became a Rhema word. And he wrote it down, put it in his pocket, and he looked at it off and on throughout the whole day, and he did that every day for weeks and months, and it was a thing that, that freed him. It was the thing that delivered him. Well, we've talked, about, we've talked about Mary being a theologian as a young mom. I have a concern that you guys don't think you're theologians. So I want you to, I want you to do this declaration with me, after me. Especially young moms with babies like Mary. But everybody. I am a Holy Spirit theologian. Now turn to the person next to you and say, you are a Holy Spirit theologian. The Holy Spirit turns the Logos word into the Rhema word at the point of your need. He did for Mary. Mary had Mary, Mary experienced four great themes, and we've we've talked uh, about two of them. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to get through the second two. We we talked about the breaking off of God anxiety by the Holy Spirit. Isn't it beautiful? You know, the foundation. Paul writes, as dearly loved children, live your life out before God. If you don't have a, a secure identity as a dearly loved child, it will be impossible for you to do other Christian ethic directives and other things in ministry. I want to tell you, it is absolutely essential. And you have the right through the blood of Jesus and the promise of God who would never deceive you 
to embrace the identity as a dearly loved child. It is the secret springboard for everything else that is joyful and peaceful and happy in the things of God. So Mary got, she heard those words and she contemplated them. She pondered them. It was a rhema word. It was the Greek, the word is ramata. She, she pondered these things, these remata, rhema words that had happened. And God broke off of her anxiety as he broke off anxiety uh, off the shepherds. And I'm not going to rehearse it again, but if you don't know Jesus Christ in, as your personal savior, uh, and you're feeling anxiety in the presence of God, please keep doing that. Please keep doing that. Because without Jesus Christ, you will experience an, an eternal anxiety that is unimaginably uncomfortable. But with Jesus Christ, you are fully free from it. Fully free from it. It mustn't linger. The, the smell of anxiety shouldn't be on your spirit anymore. So break it off and, and, and press into that. Uh, the second thing we noted that the great depth and beauty and wonder and sheer bliss of Mary's personal rescue by her personal rescue, that she heard those words, unto you is born this day in the city of David. She heard the shepherds quote the angels, unto you. And that was a rhema word to her. Even though I'm a mother, biological mother of God, that doesn't earn me, earn me the right to be righteousified facing God on the day of judgment. But this one who is born of me, the savior of the world is my savior, even mine. Took it personally. And we're gonna interview someone real quickly. Uh, Savannah Graves, come up here. You've been rescued by Jesus. You've experienced a very personal blessing. Welcome to everybody from home. Right, by the way, we're glad you're joining us and we're happy that we're back on our 7.30 next week, our 7.30 TV show. Uh, NFL is over, praise the Lord. So, <laughs> this way a little bit. Savannah, Savannah, when did you come to Christ? Um, it was years back. A few years back. Yeah. But, but uh, just feel whatever you're comfortable saying about a little bit about your family background and, and where you came from and how Jesus rescued you. Um, so I grew up, I don't want to cry. I brought these for you, dear. <laughs> I don't need them. Um, I grew up with... Um, a mother who was involved um, with gang activity, and um, she was addicted to drugs. Um, I had an alcoholic dad who was very abusive. And I ended up in um, foster care, I think about the age 14. Um, and I ended up aging out. Um, it, was, it was a really hard, um, childhood, I went through a lot of abuse and neglect, um, and I was around a lot of, um, just, you know, negative things. I did grow up with God, though I had my grandma, um, who was there through it all, and was kind of my 
the person I looked up to a lot. Um, but I think about the age, uh, maybe like 20-ish, I got really bad with my alcohol addiction. Um, Medicating your pain. Yeah, that was like my go-to when I was going through things. Um, I mean, I had known it since I was like 15. Um, But God saved me (laughs) recently. I'm actually 15 months sober today. 15 months sober today. 15 months sober today. I, the way I explain it is, um, last year my friend invited me to a baptism of hers and I hadn't been to church in a long time. And as soon as I walked into that church and they started worshiping, um, the Holy Spirit just smacked me in the face and I couldn't stop crying. I was, and I was wondering like, why am I crying? Why, why can't I stop crying? And that's when they, hey, that's the Holy Spirit. That's, that's let him fill you. And, and I just, then I found this church and it really, I, it made me get closer to God, and the closer and closer I get to Him, the more and more I just want better and to change my life, to be a better mother, to be a better partner, just to be a woman of God, and, and I, ha- I don't want to look back. God has cha- took that pain, and, and, you know, I don't run, to, I say this, I don't run to the bottle anymore, I run to my Lord and Savior. Mary got a personal salvation, and so did Savannah, and so did you, and you, and you, and you, and me. Hallelujah. And our third point uh, this morning, Mary treasured in her heart the by himselfness of God by the Holy Spirit to do God's work. I'm going to clarify that. She heard the shepherds say, quoting the angels, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And the, and the Jewish people of that day were expecting the Messiah for them. And God gave them an upgrade. The Messiah was going to be not just for the Jewish people, but for every ethnicity. And when you read the book of Revelation, is it, what chapter is it where it says the whole multitude? Chapter seven, nine? Six? Seven, verse chapter, seven. chapter seven. It says, from every tribe, every nation, and the Greek word is ethnicity. Without number. Without number. A multitude without number praising God together. That's the vision. All peoples, the promise of Abraham that you'll have descendants like the stars, a number of the stars and the number of the sands on, of, on, the, on, the, sea, on the seashore, the beach, all over the world. That's a lot of sand. That's a lot of stars. The promise is to Abraham and to his seed. And the Apostle Paul tells us that seed is not plural but singular. The promise is to Abraham and to his seed, who is Jesus and everybody who is connected to Jesus. So this promise 
A Savior is born to all. He'll be this good news, tidings of great joys for all people. This was a huge upgrade, and Mary was caught up into it. And I want to suggest to you that the high point of Mary's life was not when she was 16 and had was a, a, a baby Jesus. And everything else after that was sort of not as cool. I don't agree with that at all. And I don't agree with the notion that somehow she's a, you know, she herself was immaculately conceived and the honoring of her means that we should actually pray to her, or talk to her. And if that's been your background, then I, I, want to res- I respect what you were back- background with, but it's also my duty to tell you that the Bible says the ultimate, ultimate joy and meaning and fulfillness and happiness in our lives is not anything we, we achieve, but when we are linked not only to worshiping the person of Christ, but to embracing in a personal way the cause of Christ for global evangelization in our generation. And you might say, well, you're just saying that because you're an evangelist, Pastor Dan, and I'm not really going to listen right now, so where's my phone? I want to suggest to you that if you're looking for personal meaning in your life, in your career, or in a, in a romantic relationship, or in material goods, or you're escaping through medicating, pain, through drugs, or anything else. I want to even go so far as to step on a few toes right now by saying that it's even possible to have the cult of the family. Where the, what you only love is us four and no more. And I am for family. I hope you know that. But it is a very, very poor goal for your life to think that the main goal of my life is to bring happiness to my children in this world. I just want them to be happy is a bad goal. I want them to know Jesus and to know the purpose of life. The only, you know that 25% of young people today at any given time are experiencing clinical depression? This is the fruit of parents that only want their kids to be happy outside of God. What kids need is a purpose to live, and that purpose is in the anointing of the Holy Spirit to live a life of devotion to God, living for the praise of his glory, and fully embrace with every effort they can in their personality expressed who they are in the uniqueness of their life. I mean, I go out and I, I do soul winning directly. Brenda does art work that honors Jesus and it, it sponsors conversations about Jesus. That's, way, that's quite, a, quite different. And, and all of us, the people involved in the play, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is, 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 that's an expression of in acting. Everybody has a different style, a different place, a different way. But I'm telling you something. If you are looking for meaning and purpose of your existence, if you are experiencing depression, I submit to you the, the, the biggest cause of that is you don't know why you're here. 
You're here to praise him and to know him and to love him. And you're here to embrace, to hitch your trailer to his personhood and his cause. And if you're not doing that, you're like the guy who's lost his, the, lost his keys. And he's looking for the keys over here when he lost them over here. And someone asked him, why are you looking for your keys over here? And he said, well, the, light, the light's better over here. <laughs> Even Christians can find themselves looking for meaning in life and refusing to embrace the reality that if you really want to know why you exist and you want to be totally free and happy and liberated into your destiny, don't anyone ever tell me that you weren't designed or your calling isn't to the world. I've had people, pastors, say to me over the years, my calling is to the church, not the world. Hey, I'm a pastor and I'm a player coach. I believe in ministering to the church, but as a means of equipping them to minister to the world, and I don't think I can effectively do that unless I'm ministering to the world too, with my best efforts. I believe that pastors should be a player coach. Any apostle, for instance, that says, I'm too busy to uh, work with unbelievers, needs to take a second look at Jesus Christ, or the apostle Paul, or Peter. It's too big a project for us to do in our human effort. The good news of great joy, the good tidings of great joy for all people involves the by himselfness of God. I know it's a bit of paradoxical, but theologians talk about the sovereignty of God to save souls, but he doesn't do it without our participation. I love Isaiah 9, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Then it says, the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. Yeah. I love the zeal of the Lord, don't you? Yeah. Jesus said, zeal for your house consumes me. I love God's enthusiasm, don't you? Yeah. I love zeal. I, loved, I love that he's leading with zeal. There's nothing apathetic. There's nothing boring. If you're bored, you need to know who you are and why you're here. Later, later Jesus would say to Peter, you are Petros, you're rock. You're, Simon, you're the rock. And upon this, upon this rock, as his preaching on, first, on the day of Pentecost started this whole program, I will build my church. And when they bump up against the gates of hell, the gates of hell will not prevail. Burst through the gates of hell and we are going to ransack hell and pull people out of hell and deliver them into the presence of joys in Jesus Christ. The strong, the strong man is bound. And we are ransacking his house. Taking back what he's stolen from people. We are 
every, every single thing we do to alleviate pain in this world in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, everything we do to encourage and inspire and affirm and bless in the anointing of the Holy Spirit, this is the advancement of the kingdom of heaven. I would even go so far as to say, I'm running out of time already here. That, I think they turn that clock up faster <laughs> when the person gets up here. I, I go even so far as to say blessing God's creatures that he loves, his animals. His, uh, you know the Humane Society was started by Christians who cared about animal suffering? We have a neighborhood cat named Earl Gray. <laughs> What was his name before that? Sapphire. Sapphire. He had a girl's name before that. He was having some identity issues. <laughs> Perpetrated by his original owners. But the original owners had a philosophy of, oh, he just eats birds and mice and doesn't, we don't need to feed him. So Brenda came to the rescue and gave him top quality gourmet cat food <laughs> every day. And uh, then the original owners moved away, so you can guess what happened next. <laughs> Earl Gray is our son. <laughs> and I, I noticed it was a bit cold the other night, going to be down to freezing, and I realized that at the risk of offending every woman in the auditorium and on TV, I don't usually get along with cats. Earl Grey, we're, we're, we're getting along a little better than we did at first. But it was going to be cold, so we were going to keep him in. And so I, had, I, I, I volunteered. I did. It was a real Jesus thing. <laughs> to go down to Albertsons and pick up a cat box and, upon Brenda's request, get the most expensive cat litter you can find. <laughs> So cat box and cat litter these days with inflation runs to about $40. And my soul was chagrined to the max. But, you know, I, I actually, it was my idea. It was a real Jesus thing to do, I, I tell you. It was my idea to not have a real gray after spend the night out in the cold. So I, 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 I got him all set up. I showed him the cat box. Told him he could spend. I told him he could spend the night in the house, and his response was to climb into the cat box and go to sleep. <laughs> this that story has to end with a comma. I just want to make myself accountable to be nice into the future with Earl. I was out soul winning with Andrew yesterday, Andrew Gifford, and we were talking to someone who, a homeless young man, and Andrew, I was just in awe of how effective Andrew ministered to him in the spirit. Prayed with him to be saved and just ministered love to him. And I saw the young man start to shiver. And the thought came to me, you should give him your coat. And I was thinking, yeah, I'll, I, I could do that. I've done that before. So I was thinking then. Then Andrew took off a very expensive coat and he put it on the guy. And the guy just, just tears. 
I'm going to tell you, that's Jesus stuff. And that helps pull people. That, that's an expression of Jesus' life that pulls people closer to the kingdom. This is the kind of thing that Mary did. You know that Mary did her contribution. You know that Mary, Mary's story ended up because of inter, being interviewed by Luke. Her story of Gabriel coming to her, announcing that to her that she was going to be the mother of God the Son. What happened here with the with the with the with the in, in Acts two with the sorry with in Luke two with the angels coming and the shepherds? This is all Mary's story, probably given to Luke when she was about seventy years old. Scholars tell us is when Luke did his major interviewing for his. He says, I interviewed meticulously as a medical doctor. I care about details and I wanted to get it right. So everything in my book has been fully researched. And as I read this story, the only, the only person that could know the, the intimate details of, of some of this motherhood stuff would be Mary herself. I think that the biggest blessing that Mary had wasn't just that she was a mother of Jesus Christ. I think she moved on to a higher experience of embracing the cause of her son Jesus. You know, she was present on the day of Pentecost. The word says she was there on the day of Pentecost. She received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, you imagine her receiving the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit of her son Jesus and saying, wow, makes me feel close to my boy this experience and she she continually meditated and considered and contemplated the word of God she kept the word close and I'm going to talk about that again sometime soon because I never quite finish God always gives me grace to have a lot of content and never enough grace yet to get it all expressed so we'll, we'll work on this some more but I want you to stand up right now I want you to uh, come next week. Miguel Zayas will be, will be preaching next week, next Sunday morning. And he'll be doing the healing revival service. So, so bring, it, bring somebody, okay? Do your best to try to invite somebody that may need a healing or, or just see a sign and wonder because Miguel operates in signs and wonders. And he has some family things going on that are keeping him from attending here on Sundays right now, but he's, he's gonna be here next Sunday. Jesus' life refreshed with signs and wonders and miracles coming our way. Now, I'm gonna take a moment. We're gonna serve people that don't know Jesus that want to know him. So everybody close your eyes. I'm gonna do this quickly, but we're gonna serve people that wanna get started with Jesus. In the course of our worship, or in the course of my talk this morning, if you, uh, if you find yourself wanting to respond to Jesus, I'm not going to call you up front. It's between you and Jesus. But if you're saying yes to Jesus, you need to confess it. You can do that just by looking up at me right now. I'm looking in my far right. If you, I will misunderstand if you're opening your eyes for any other reason. But if you are saying, I want Jesus to be my Savior and Lord, look up and catch my eye. Do not look at me if that's not what you're doing. 
I'm looking at my far right. You doing that? Yes. One so far. Two. Middle right. Two so far. Anyone else? If I miss you, wave at me. Recommitment back there. Recommitments. Two recommitments. Or that counts. If it's not there yet, it's there today. So four so far. My left middle section. Catch my eye if you're, if you're saying, I want to be born from above. I want my spirit which is dead to come alive. I want Jesus. Not seeing anybody in the... So four, four so far. Looking at my far left. Anyone on my far left? Okay, for the sake of these four, we're going to make it real simple. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess now that you are my Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I am saved. I am born again. I am on my way to heaven because I have Jesus Christ in my heart. Now you four, before you leave this building, tell somebody else because you will decree a thing that will be established to you. So tell the person, that, just tell somebody. Tell somebody, okay? That, that can be really, really important. We have a, a, a pastoral care team that will release miracles up here on this side right now. Team, come on up. Team, come on up. And in just a few moments, Marty Peterson and her prophetic team will be ministering prophetic words on this side. What I want to say to you right now, guys and gals, Happy New Year to you and your family. May God answer all your prayers in 2004. Keep you all safe and sound and in good health. And may you realize this year your own personal destiny in connection with Jesus and his cause. God bless you. Thank you for coming today.